Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Good morning. How's everyone doing on this fine summer morning? We had quite, that, quite a storm last night, didn't we? I know some of you here in Beaver Creek got your power knocked out. I'm glad uh, our server didn't get knocked out this time. Last time uh, we had to deal with that, but... It's good to be here. It's good to be back. Uh, my wife and I were on a, a little vacation with my daughter and son-in-law. Um, he's on a sabbatical. He's a worship leader up in Minneapolis. And um, he was gifted a home to stay in down in Sanibel Island. And uh, Gene and I went um, largely to help out with the kids, but uh, we did get away a little bit um, to go out for a breakfast and stuff like that. But it's a beautiful place. First time I'd ever been down to Sanibel. So they've got lots of big silver dollars. Uh, they're probably about that, that size. And then lots of shells. Some of you that may have been there know that it's the seashell capital of the world. So um, we just had a lot of fun together. Anyways, we're continuing on in our series, Summer in the Psalms, and um, I hope um, you've taken the opportunity, um, as I've tried to encourage you each week, to, to linger in the Psalms a little bit. After you hear a message on a Sunday, I hope that you can get away, um, reflectively read, and, and prayerfully ask God um, how he wants to come to you through the various Psalms that we've been going through. Uh, this morning, it's going to be a little different. I'm going to do a team teaching with our youth director, Alicia Cross. So grateful for her. She's a, a gifted shepherd of our middle school and high school ministry and, and the parents and just has such a heart to, to draw others to Jesus from the heart. And she's going to be um, speaking a little bit um, after the next worship song, in fact. And she's got a little challenge. Uh, together, we've talked about this. So we've got a little challenge we're going to throw your way at the end of, of her message. Well, this morning, I want to ask you a question. Who would you say really knows you the best? I mean, they know your quirks. I'll confess one of my quirks. Q-tips. Ever since I was little, I love Q-tips. I'll use a few a week. My mom always gets me the Costco big brand for, for Christmas, whatever, even my wife does now. But that's a quirk, you know, we all got them. So who knows you, who knows your quirks, who knows your personality? Who kinda reads you, gets you? Who knows your favorites? Like ice cream or food or, those kinds of things. I'm a mocha chip graders guy, in case you're wondering. They also, who knows your rhythms, like your work schedule, like when you, when you go, when you leave, um, time with your family. Um, who knows you? Who knows your hobbies? You know, many of us have people that, that knows these, these things about us, but how about the deeper and more vulnerable parts of us? How about our dreams or, or your fears? Who knows your fears or your struggles and your sin? Few of us have people in our lives that know this part of us. Well, there's a core longing in all of us to be fully known and truly loved. And author and pastor Tim Keller captures it well in this quote. He says, 
To be loved but not known is comforting, but superficial. To be known and not love is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from our pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. An incredible quote. In fact, I heard it from Hamon, who leads in the back and leads up in worship. When we were getting ready on a Sunday morning, he was sharing it with Zach, actually. And I thought, man, that one just stuck in my mind, and the Lord brought it back up. But a, but a powerful quote. And this ability to be fully known and truly loved can only come from God, as Tim Keller says. This is what David wants us to know more than anything in Psalm 139, one through six. And that's where we're going. We're gonna stay in Psalm 139. Let me read those verses with you. And before we do, here's our big idea. Our big idea is we are fully known and truly loved by God. Let's take a look at the verse. Starts out in verse one. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. This knowledge that God has of us is staggering when you look at those verses. But it can also seem kind of stalkerish if, and, and, and you know, stalkerish and make us kind of feel afraid or wary if we feel God's intent is to harm us, to hurt us, or to criticize us. But his intent is to love us. And this psalm is coming from David, who, who could have thought God was out to get him. I mean, he had King Saul coming after him to kill him. He had his son Absalom that wanted to kill him. And he also had to wrestle through, and, and he wrestles through this in, in the psalms. There's, there's different psalms where he's really wrestling with this. He also, thought, he also could have thought that God just wanted to punish him severely after his adulterous sin with Bathsheba and then killing of her husband and, and then the mess that that created in the family. And I shared about this on the 4th of July in Psalm 51 where, where David wrestles with that. Yet David comes with all his baggage and chooses to trust God with the messiness of his life. He's bringing us into this broken, vulnerable place of his heart, and he's trusting that God's love is deeper than his sin and deeper than the pain of how, of how others have treated him. 
Pete Scazzaro, in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, many of us are familiar with this and have have read this. He says it this way. Living and swimming in the river of God's deep love for us in Christ is at the heart of true spirituality. Soaking in this love enables us to surrender to God's will, especially when it seems to be contrary to what we can see feel, or figure out ourselves. This experiential knowing of God's love and acceptance provides the only foundation for loving and accepting our true selves. Only the love of God in Christ is capable of bearing the weight of our true identity. And this is where we find David in this psalm. This is why David is called a man after God's own heart. It's not based on his performance to follow God. I just rattled off, like like he had a lot of issues going on. He also did some incredible things for God. But what it's based on is his neediness and his dependence on God's love, especially in his pain. That's why he's a man after God's own heart. David wants us to know that no matter where our life is at right now, whether it's good, bad, or messy, we have a God who deeply knows us and truly loves us. We're going to take a look at a few of those ways that he knows us and truly loves us this morning. And the first one is right in the, in the very first verse, and it's that he knows our heart and he knows our soul, our true self. It's it's that part of us that maybe we don't even know because we cover it or we try to present an image to other people. But look at in verse one where he says this. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. He created us. We're an open book to him. He knows our quirks, he knows our shortcomings, and he still deeply loves us. I want you this morning to let that truth sink in. Because sometimes when we hear these things, and as I go through these verses, and even when Alicia gets up here to go through, we want to push back. And I just want you to take it in a little bit more deeper and let this knowledge that God has of you And his love for you begin to calm places of hurt, places of pain in your life, and bring encouragement to places of gifting. Even as Zach has shared that we've got some needs here at the church that God may be calling you forward in because he's gifted you or he's prompting you. And let him speak to you in those places. The second area is that he knows our rhythms. Let's take a look at verse two and three. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. And then, You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything that I do. He knows when we're on vacation. He knows when we go to work or have to travel for work. He knows when we go to the store. He knows when we're at home watching TV. 
He knows when we're working out. He knows when we're sleeping or doing housework. He knows the details. And his posture, it's patient. It's kind. Let that soak in. He's aware of these things, but his posture is love. How does that make you feel that he's so concerned about the details of your life but has a posture of love? Take it in. Let that soak deeper. The next area is he knows our thoughts. Verse 2, we looked at verse 2, but the second part of verse 2 says, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. What have you been thinking about lately? What occupies your, your headspace right now? Have your thoughts been positive or do they run negative? You know, there's been a lot of mental health issues as we've gone through COVID and, and even in this past year and, and a lot of it is, is, is up in our minds and, and the anxieties and the fears that we're, we're wrestling with. And, and God wants us to know that, he, that he's aware of that. He's aware of what we're thinking. And he wants to bring his peace into that place. You know, a favorite TV show of mine is Alone. Anybody out there watch Alone? Okay, we've got a few of you. It's a survival show. Uh, the, the one, the last episode that we saw was the Million Dollar Challenge, and they, they put them out in the Arctic. There's 10 of them, and they've got to survive with a, with a few items, but they've got to find food and shelter, make their own shelter and do all these things. And what's so intriguing about this show is they, they don't have any camera crews. They've got to run their own cameras. And through the time that they're out there, and for this million dollar challenge, they need to be out there 100 days, okay? And somebody made it in the Arctic uh, for 100 days. It was incredible. But there were two women that did phenomenal, and one of them began to just reflect. So when they're out there, they begin to reflect on things going on in their life, things from the past. And, and this one woman was reflecting on, on her thoughts, because you can imagine being out in the Arctic for close to 100 days, you're thinking about a lot of things. And one of the things that she said that caught my attention was, she says, sometimes our minds are destructive and, our, and we are our own worst enemies. And, she's, and she talked about how she struggles just in her thought life with the things that are going on. And I thought that was so profound because I know what that's like. There's times that I'm hard on myself and sometimes we're not speaking or sharing the right things in our minds to ourselves. And I find comfort in this verse and in this place because God wants to come alongside our thoughts. He wants to allow his love and that he's aware and fully knows us to calm our fears and anxieties in our life. Well, he not only knows our thoughts, but he also knows our words, even before we say them. And that's kind of crazy, but, but look at verse four here. Uh, we've got the why there, but you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. So I don't know about you, but when I first read this, I'm like, 
I'm going to play a little game with God. Like, did you know I was going to say that? Oh, okay, you know, you just try to, like, try to fake them out, you know? I, I did that same thing with the sit down and stand up kind of a thing. I'd, I'd, I'd kind of play this little mind game with myself. But, but God knows. God, God knows us. Um, he knows what um, I'm going to say up here. He knows what you're going to say in a conversation. Um, the bummer thing about that sometimes is I wish um, I knew what was going to come out of my mouth. I mean, there's times I wish my words were like a yo-yo, like, and I had a string, like I could, I could take it back. You know, anybody out there feel that way? I, it, it's discouraging when I speak before I think about what I'm going to say, and then it does damage um, to other people. I really love the reminder in James 1.19 that says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I, I want to keep growing here. And I, and I know God is, is coming around me in a supporting way. Uh, he knows the positive words that, that are going to come out of our mouths, those words that are going to bring life and encouragement and, and affirmation to others, um, whether it's a card or um, a text or, or a prayer offered up on behalf of someone. Um, his posture in all these thoughts, though, is, is one of support and love. And he knows, and he's aware, and he wants to help us. Another area that he knows is our, our destiny and the detail of our lives. Let's take a look at verse five here. You go before me. Okay, he's up in front, and then you follow me, and then you place your hand of blessing on my head. I'll admit, this is one of my favorite verses um, in Psalm 139 and, and, and a lot of in Scripture. And it, the, the reason why I love it is, is I get this picture that, that God is going before me. He's going to go like, like the good shepherd that we talked about a year ago in Psalm 23, where he, where he goes ahead of his sheep to make sure everything's going to be okay. He's, he's going to go ahead of me. And then he's got my backside. He's going to protect my backside for me. He's got me. And then the beautiful part of this, and my favorite part of this is, not only does he know the future, not only does he protect the back and even our past stuff, but he's got his hand right on our head, present, and it's a hand of blessing. That's powerful. What is, what is that blessing? The blessing is that we're truly loved by God. That in Christ, we are his beloved. We are a deeply loved treasure that he greatly delights in. This is our identity. Alicia's gonna refer to this as we move on here, but this is our identity as sons and daughters to our good, good dad. And there's nothing more that we can do to make him love us any more or any less because of Christ. This is the blessing we have in Christ. And I want to pray that over you this morning. I want you to close your eyes. And 
I want to pray this blessing over you this morning. And I want you, as your eyes are closed, I want you to envision his hand of blessing upon your head right now. It's a gentle, loving hand. And he wants to speak to you through his spirit and let you know you are his beloved. And this is what I want to pray over you. Listen to these words. You are deeply loved. You are valuable like a treasure. And he greatly delights in you. He wants you to know for you that there's nothing you can do to make him love you any more or any less in Christ. Take a moment just to let that love and blessing soak deeply into your heart and soul. Just give it a few moments. Because as I shared before, our tendency is to kind of push it away, like, no, no, not me, Lord. Yes, this is for you. This is from him. And if it's hard to say, Lord, help me. Help me to let this come in. Help me to trust you with this. Open your eyes, and I pray that he's bringing that to you, that you're feeling that in places that only his spirit can take it. And as we begin to allow these truths of being fully known and truly loved in our hearts, it it moves us to worship. In verse six, I love how it ends here. Um, It brings us to this place of wonder and awe. It says, David says, such knowledge of all these things is too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to understand. And our worship team's gonna be coming up. And I want want you to do that. I want you to respond with the wonder and awe of just what God spoke to you. Ask him to keep taking this being fully known and truly loved deeper into your hearts. And I'll admit This is part of my struggle is to let it in. And so I wanted to share something that I've learned. Just say, Lord, just move the needle a little bit. If I'm at about 10 or 20% of letting this in, will you you take it to 11 or 21%? Will you just take it a little bit more? Just take it a little bit deeper. So let me pray, and then I'm going to ask you to stand and just allow God to speak um, these words over you of his, that you're fully known, that you're truly loved. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for these truths. I pray by your spirit that you take them deeper, that we are fully known and truly loved by you. And even in this worship song this morning, Lord, help us to reflect on those. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, good morning. I also get a seat, I get the fancy seat, bounce and stuff, so it's like really awesome. Like I fought for this chair. I want you all to know that. I was like, listen guys, I wanna be in a chair. I wanna invite them into my living room. Um, Just so we're clear, you all wouldn't really fit in my living room at once, but you know, it's fine, it's fine. I want you all like, just picture like candles and couches and blankets, nice, warm, fuzzy thing. Don't take a nap, don't do that. But 
just be here with me in this moment. I'm so happy to be here. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name's Alicia. I'm the youth ministry director here. So that's why I get to be a little goofy. Um, it's just part of me. It's who I am. Um, so I'm so excited to talk here today because Psalm 139 is one of my favorites. It's definitely something that hits home for me for several reasons, and we'll get into that. But first of all, that song, it is well with my soul. Like, I just want you all to to just feel that, that God is with us right now and that he's with you and he sees you fully, um, as Pastor Life mentioned. So this psalm is really, to me, about identity, about God's identity for us. And oftentimes, um, this is something that I think we're all searching for. It's just identity. Throughout life, we're constantly shifting and changing, and foods we liked as a kid, we don't like as adults, and foods we, foods we hated as children, we now like as adults. Um, olives, different things like that. Brussels sprouts, I hated Brussels sprouts as a kid. Now, some butter and garlic, I realize, you know, uh, it could be for me. So I just love the identity piece of finding out about life and who we are. And so in this psalm, I want to talk about verses 11 through 16. So I'm going to read through them, and then we're just going to kind of peel that apart, okay? So if I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So I just think this, these verses are so powerful because David comes to God boldly, knowing that he knows him fully, all of his sin, all of his, his weaknesses, but then even his strengths, right? So he says, I can't hide from you. I, I can't go to the darkness because there is no darkness to you. You see me. And I know for myself, I've definitely felt shame in areas of my life where I'm like, I don't want people to know certain parts of me. If people knew this part of me, they wouldn't like me. Whether it's, you know, anger or anything else, any, any sin part of our lives. And, and we often get caught up in, in the fear of, of what life said, you know, not being loved and not being accepted fully. You know, we walk on, on our tiptoes, just kind of like moving around, like don't, don't fully see me, because if you do, maybe you won't accept me. If you don't accept me, maybe that means I'm not lovable. So part of this, though, is that he says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That sounds pretty great, right? Like that sounds awesome. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And then we go, wait, what's that mean? <laughs> okay, so we understand wonderful a little bit, but like fearfully, like, okay, what? So the Hebrew definition of this talks about heartfelt respect, okay? And then it says uniqueness. Like those are the two terms. So we are made with his deep, profound respect and love, made with reverence and uniqueness. So we all have our own little personalities and idiosyncrasies that make us who we are, and he intended for those things. 
So that's why they say comparison is the thief of joy, right? Like we don't want to compare ourselves to someone else too closely because oftentimes we're robbing ourselves of the love that God has given us. And we can't hide, like he created us with such purpose. So today I'm, I'm going to talk about this, this fact versus feeling thing that we have going on here. Because in this psalm, we see pure fact of who God intended us to be and how he created us. But then we don't always feel like we're fearfully and wonderfully made, right? Sometimes we feel, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm not going to be good enough until I get this job, right? So this kind of starts, I, I laugh about it, but <laughs> this kind of starts um, when we're really, really little. When teachers start putting those little stickers on our papers because we did well. You completed this, so you get a sticker, and we feel good. We're like, yes, awesome. Look at this, Mom. I got three stickers today, especially the little scratch and sniffs. Like, those are my favorite. Like, I love those so much. I don't know why I should start using them again just for me. But anyway, um, we start to, to get this performance thing just kind of putting our identity in a certain place, right? I performed, and so now I'm good, okay? Now, it's not bad to perform. That's not what I'm saying at all. But we take that so deeply and say, man, if I don't perform, that must mean I'm not loved, okay? And we kind of we hinted on this. Um, Pastor Life did a little bit ago. But the performance of man is sometimes so overwhelming because we always miss the mark. We're never good enough. We, we didn't get the promotion. We didn't finish school the way we wanted to or in time. And we start to feel down about ourselves. But that's all what society says of who we are. So we see a convict or we see someone who's homeless and we start to measure up ourselves. Well, at least I'm not them. At least I'm not doing this. You see, but, but God loves them as well, just as well as he loves you. And that is so important to hear and so important to see, especially when we begin to compare ourselves. So if that starts so young in our lives, the whole performance thing and measuring our worth up to this performance, how do, we, how do we get rid of Earth's delusion of that and kind of hold on to God's truth? And that's the next part that I want to look at. So there's this really awesome Christian psychologist. I know that sounds really boring, um, but he's really cool. He's, he's an awesome guy, and his name is Dr. John Townsend. He writes this book called People Fuel. And in this book, it talks about connecting with others and being loved. And um, it's just really about being all parts of yourself and being loved. So he came up with a list where we can connect and kind of balance, right? So we're going to pick through this list a little bit. It's just a list of five things here. So the first one is God. And I'm sure if you're a betting person, you could have been like, all right, I'm sure God is on the list somewhere, right? And so the reason why this is important is because of scripture and prayer, right? We want to be connected with God's truth. We want to actually be able to turn back and, and read Psalm 139 when we're having a bad day, right? So the second is self-care. This is one of my favorites, and I could write like a whole talk on this as well. But self-care is really like your personal rhythm. So not just did I eat well, did I sleep well, but oftentimes I hear people say, I'm a workaholic. And I go, oh, no, that's not good. And they're like, oh, but I get all this stuff accomplished, and I provide, and I provide, and I'm like... Oh, but where's your rest, right? So we need to get into a, ryth a rhythm of, of working from rest 
and it's a nice little pendulum swing, right? But so many people are, are working, 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 experiencing burnout, and then they're not really fruitful. But when we can rest and abide in God, then we can turn around and be fruitful later, right? So once again, I don't want to get into too much of that, but a rhythm surely is important for who we are. So that's one of the things that gives us fuel to keep going. The next is work, okay? So continuing on with the work thing, work does give us purpose. God did give us talent to say, hey, you're going to be an engineer, and you're this, and you're that, and that's going to build the kingdom, right? That's why we all do a bunch of different things, and, and that's totally cool that we don't have the same job. Because there are some people, I could never be an engineer. Absolutely not. My brain is not cut out for it, and, and I'm good with that. Like, I like kids enough, so it's fine. The next is service, which is a really cool part because God designed us in a way that when we help others, we have these little happy chemicals release. We're like, oh, that felt good. How come I don't do this more often? I want to do that again, right? So God created us to have these feel-good chemicals released so that we can continue to engage with each other. And on engaging with each other, that brings me to the last point, which is people. So I'm going to stick around and, and focus on the people aspect for a little bit because it's something that um, just really hits home for me. See, I, I grew up most of my life thinking I didn't need people. I had a lot of trauma, and I grew up in survival mode, and, and what most would say, I, I had to grow up too, too quickly. You see, I was dealing with adult issues by the time I was four. So to me, taking on my life alone was easier. Well, I need to be independent. I need to be strong. I need to take care of these things for myself. I need to survive, right? And when you're surviving like that, why would you need people? You don't need another person to tell you, hey, you're unworthy or you're inadequate. So I put up these walls to push people away so it's hard to connect, it's hard to attach. As a matter of fact, my counselor that I've seen for years, <laughs> I remember the first time he looked at me and said, Alicia, you need people. I was like, ugh, like, what do you mean I need people? Like, oh, no, like, that's awful. Why would you say that to me? He's like, you need to be needy. I was like, ugh, like, I need a shower now. Like, why would you say that to me? So, so honestly, like, it really is such a hard thing for my brain to grasp. Like, I need to connect with others deeply. And as I'm growing and as I'm learning in this connectedness and this bonding, the cost of being alone is too high. The cost of being alone is life. I can't truly be living if I'm constantly pushing people away and just in survival mode. As a matter of fact, Genesis says it, it says man alone is not good. And so for years I would, I would cloak my solitude as, as healthy but yet in that solitude, I was depressed. I was picking myself apart. I wasn't happy. Now I can take solitude and I like it. I'm like, yeah, give me my me time. That is great. And I'm, and I'm happy and I come out healthier. But we need each other, okay? So I went on a conference just like two weeks ago. And the entire conference is based on connecting with other leaders deeply. And the cool part is that whenever you start to connect with each other deeply like that and receive all of that love, it's kind of reworking the way that your brain tells you things should go. So 
I'm used to, oh, I don't feel deeply like for this relationship. And other people are like, I feel so attached to you. I'm like, ah, okay. And I went in there like, okay, God, here I am. I'm going to surrender this piece and I'm going to connect as much as possible. And so for this week, I connected with six other leaders from all across America and we were able to share our life stories deeply and really love and love each other and be accepted as we are, even in all the filth and grossness of, of how we feel inside. And I'm telling you, it just did something new um, for me. It gave me a fresh perspective on loving myself. And I was able to safely be weak. I'm going to say that again, because that's something that's really, really difficult for me. Like, if I wasn't on stage, I'd cry right now. But I was, I was able to safely be weak, like I can't right now, okay? Safely be weak and accepted as Alicia with all my faults, all my flaws, every sin, everything I've done wrong, a divorced youth ministry director. God just loved me through people, okay? For an entire week. And I left like, I don't want to leave you guys. I spent four and a half days with them. And I was like, no, don't go. You're my people. Come back with me. And, you know, we all just split off into our own separate lives and went back. And it's so awesome because I do have awesome support systems here. Um, and it's amazing because I also now have connections with people across America. One just texted me half hour ago. Good luck on stage today. You're going to do great. Love you. You see, and that's a result of me saying, okay, I do need people, God, because they can help reveal the truth that you have for me, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So God is using people to erase negative words that I and other people and society has written on my heart. And that's really, really like such a deep, deep need for us is to have people consistently accept us, right? So the father, he, he went to the prodigal son. He ran and said, hey, everybody, I need you. Go, go get the robe. Go start a party. We're going to get this ring. Get him the sandals. Like, let's go. And so we are that people throwing the party for the prodigal son. Okay? And God needs people to throw the party for you as well and for me. Because okay? he's, he's running towards us, but he's like, oh, I need some help. I need some assistance with this party. So let's put on a party for each other. Let's really dig in and say, hey, you're accepted as you are, and I love you. So Pastor Life mentioned that we have a challenge. So we're going to talk about this challenge a little bit. Um, this challenge is that for the next two weeks, I, we sorry, um, would like you to read through Psalm 139 every day. And... In addition to that, I would like you to talk about Psalm 139 with a friend. Connect deeply over it and say, hey, when I read this, this is the area of this psalm that I have a hard time believing. This is where I feel resistance in my soul. I don't feel this is true about me. When we connect deeply like that, we can live just a little bit better, okay? So please just let Psalm 139 just echo in your hearts, okay? Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net.
We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.